And uh, you can find this reading on page 934. And it's from a chap called Micah, who was a prophet during the time of three kings of Judah. Um, so they were still heading towards bad times, but it were times when God did good things. So chapter 6, page 934, and the first eight verses, and the last one you might know very well. Listen to what the Lord says. Stand up, plead your case before the mountains. Let the, hear, let the hills hear what you have to say. Hear, O mountains, the Lord's accusation. Listen, you everlasting foundations of the earth. For the Lord has a case against his people. He's lodging a charge against Israel. My people, what have I done to you? How have I burdened you? Answer me. I brought you out of Egypt and redeemed you from the land of slavery. I sent Moses to lead you, also Aaron and Miriam. My people remember what Balak, king of Moab, counseled and what Balaam, son of Beor, answered. Remember your journey from Shittim to Gilgal, that you may know the righteous acts of the Lord. With what shall I come before the Lord and bow down before the exalted God? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with the thousands, with thousands of rams, with ten thousand rivers of oil? Shall I offer my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? He has showed you, O man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you to act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God Amen Now if you stand for <clears throat> Good morning The second reading this morning is from Matthew Chapter 12, verses 12 to 21. And if you'd like to follow in your church Bibles, you'll find this on page 977. That's page 977. Right. Matthew, chapter 12, beginning at verse 12. How much more valuable is a man than a sheep? Therefore, it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. Then he said to the man, Stretch out your hand. So he stretched it out, and it was completely restored, as sound as the other. But the Pharisees withdrew and plundered how they might kill Jesus. Aware of this, Jesus withdrew from that place. Many followed him, and he healed all their sick, warning them not to tell who he was. This was to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah. Here, is my servant 
whom I have chosen, the one I love, in whom I delight. I will put my spirit on him, and he will proclaim justice to the nations. He will not quarrel or cry out. No one will hear his voice on the streets. A bruised reed he will not break. And a smouldering wick he will not snuff out. Till he leads justice to victory. In his name the nations will put their hope. This is the word of the Lord. Morning, church. Can you hear me? I said that at nine o'clock, and afterwards, someone said they couldn't (coughs) and asked me to recount what I'd said. So I stood outside and gave a potted sermon in three minutes. And that's when you realise it's really important to do your prep. But it was okay. I've got a sore throat, so um, hopefully um, I enunciate well. Um, uh, That was also some feedback. So it's really good. That's never the dry run. That's really important too. But I hope this is really helpful. Um, And it's a real pleasure and a privilege to be able to share God's word with us this morning. Um, Before I start... We've had both readings. Um, Let's just have a moment of quiet um, and contemplation, shall we? Um, We can close our eyes if that's helpful. Um, As we just think about um, coming before the Lord and and, uh, reading his word and understanding what he has to say to us. Uh, And then I'll pray as we start. So, Father, thank you that we have your word, that we can read it freely. I pray now that you would be doing the talking, not me, and that by your Holy Spirit, we would have ears to hear what you have to say, and we would know how much you love us. Amen. So this week, we're continuing in our series on the five marks of mission, and we're going to be thinking about the fourth mark, and as I read through all five, I realized the one I have It's quite a mouthful. So here goes. It's seeking to transform unjust structures of society to challenge violence of every kind and pursue peace and reconciliation. I feel like that's a three-hour seminar, but um, we'll see how we get on. I was away last week, um, but I understand that B-Joy was talking to you about nurturing disciples. And so I was reflecting on the links between that and this week's theme. And I was reminded of how often new believers are so on fire for the Lord and enthusiastic to serve him and share his good news. And so today, as we think about justice, maybe we can think about what drives us in wanting to serve God and glorify him. And we can just check in on our enthusiasm levels and think about what God is calling us to do. I don't have any slides today, you might have noticed, I like slides. I probably do two sets of slides a week at work. And so uh, when I'd finished preparing, 
I just had a sense from the Lord that he didn't want slides today. Um, so as you can imagine, I started preparing my slides. And, uh, and then halfway through, again, I just really felt, you know, Carl, Micah, um, particularly verse 8, but Micah, uh, verses 1 to 8, they are slides this morning. So um, I think we just need to have a look at what God has to say. So the good news is that much goes on at Christ Church Pearly uh, when it comes to justice and mission, and we're already an active part of God's mission, which is brilliant, delivering a number of Christians against poverty courses, supporting the CAP Debt Centre locally, and CAP more broadly, as CAP seeks to highlight the injustice of debt and poverty here and abroad. And here at Christ Church, we also host a counselling centre, providing safe space for those who may be pursuing peace and reconciliation in a personal context. And of course, we're involved in the Food Hub. And as a church, we also support a number of organisations that have a focus on transforming society. So as a church today, this isn't about making us feel guilty or under the cosh. And of course, we know as Christians, we're saved by God's grace alone and not by our actions. But nevertheless, this morning is about reminding us of what God calls us to do and what the Lord Jesus did as he led by example and how we can continue in his mission here in Purley. And as we move out of this place later today, I would love us to be thinking about two questions. The first is how can we support the current work delivered here by Christchurch? And I'm invoking the three P's here. Prayer, partnership and pounds. How can we pray or pray more for all we're doing as a church? How can we partner with this work? How can we be involved? And lastly, how can we support this work by supporting the church financially? And the second question I'd like us to reflect on is how can we as individuals respond to God's call in this mark of mission? How can we as individuals respond to God's call? And it's this question I'd like to spend a little bit of time on reflecting this morning as we've heard from the Bible and from what God's had to say to us. So if you have your Bibles to hand, please do head to Micah chapter 6 as we dive in. And that can be found on page 934. Do have a look because that's your PowerPoint presentation. And the verse I want to focus on in this passage, which will be familiar to many, as Martin said, is verse 8, which says this. He has showed you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. This is God's call on his people. This is what the Lord requires of us. As we think about injustice and this fourth mark of mission, what does it mean to act justly, to pursue justice? Well, it can mean many things, can't it? There are what feels like never-ending examples of injustice in the world today. And there are plenty of ways, therefore, that we can respond. And in Croydon, for example, we know with the immigration headquarters being here, people trafficking is a serious problem. And there are many other injustices literally on our doorstep. 
food poverty, homelessness, and more. I wonder if you've heard of Greta Thunberg. If you haven't, she's a 16-year-old girl from Sweden who has Asperger's and who is a climate change activist. In the last year, she's risen to prominence and been given platforms with world leaders at UN summits and other places. And she's addressed them very sternly on how behaviours need to change in relation to the climate. And millions of people across the globe seem to be listening to her, as has been reflected in numerous protests across different countries. She has had a very tangible impact on the issue of climate change, at the very least propelling it up the agenda of many world leaders. And it would appear that she's done all of this out of sheer determination and a refusal to give up because she absolutely believes in her mission, her cause. She knows her why, why she wants to do what she does. And this energizes her how. It gives her her sense of urgency that she portrays. She now commands a big following and people listen to her. But when she started, she was just one person on her own, wanting to change the world. So she made a start. Whether you support her actions or not, the point is she's an example of a child who refuses to believe that she can't make a difference. And for those of us who are Christians, the great news is we can do even more. Because when God calls us, he equips us. No matter how ill-equipped we feel we are, because God does not call the equipped, he equips the called. And the Bible is full of examples of such people. Jonah is one who certainly wasn't equipped, but yet God called him. He legged it in the opposite direction initially and also required some solitary confinement in the belly of a fish. But nevertheless, God equipped him and used him. What is there that God might be calling you to do? either in Christchurch or elsewhere. Moses was another example. He probably didn't expect to be called to ministry aged 81. And to paraphrase, I don't think he liked public speaking very much. But nevertheless, God used him, equipped him and used him. What is there that God might be calling you to? And on a personal and small, more local level, I seem to find myself involved with leading a national organisation supporting older people. Uh, and most days I don't really feel like I know what I'm doing. Yet here I am, with God equipping and leading, and me seeking to enjoy the ride as he cracks on. We let the Holy Spirit do the heavy lifting, don't we? And of course God can and does equip us in our current context, right now, in our workplace or wherever we spend our days. He may be calling us to do something elsewhere, or he may be calling us to follow him here, pursuing justice, peace, and reconciliation, where we are in our lives right now. And if you're not sure what God is calling you to, or where, well, you can ask him. God has never let us down. We were singing earlier, weren't we, all my life, You've been faithful and good. God has never let his people down. Sometimes it feels like he has. And it was really awesome hearing that um, 
brave and courageous testimony from Marina. But God is always with us. And in the first half of Micah chapter 6, God reminds the people of Israel that he has repeatedly delivered them and led them. And he calls them to remember that he's righteous. You can see that in verse 3, 4, and 5. In verse 3, he asks a rhetorical question, fully knowing the answer. How have I burdened you? And in verse 4, God reminds them that he brought them out of Egypt and redeemed them from slavery. And in verse 5, he reminds them of his righteousness. And then to verse 8, we're reminded that God has shown us what is good. As our Heavenly Father, he's the ultimate parent. He leads by example, not just saying, do as I say, not as I do. And the Bible is full of many other examples of God's goodness. And in the other passage we read today, in Matthew, we can see how the Lord Jesus is fulfilling the prophecy of Isaiah, how it is written that he will lead by example, proclaiming justice to the nations, and that in his name the nations will put their hope. Because in Jesus there is hope, the only hope, and a hope that you and I can testify to. Because we have a just God who calls us to act justly and to pursue justice and also to love mercy. And as we continue considering this fourth mark of mission that we're thinking about today, how do we actively love mercy and live mercy? We live in an increasingly polarised society where Christians are becoming more marginalised in this country in many ways. And a recent Foreign Office report declared that Christians across the globe are the most persecuted religious group. I found that astonishing. There may be many times when we don't want to be merciful. And in our humanity, we know that mercy isn't our default setting. And yet God calls us to love mercy. Can you think of examples in your everyday life when you can show mercy? Even just in your day-to-day context, are there times when you have the opportunity to be different, to be merciful for the Lord? I used the phrase earlier, and you may be familiar with it, the phrase that God doesn't call the equipped, he equips the called. And as I've said, being someone who often feels ill-equipped, I find that really reassuring. Because standing up for justice often requires us giving of ourselves beyond what we think we can do, beyond what we would like, and out of our comfort zone. And even in our small local contexts, loving mercy is definitely not something that we can all default to. And it's certainly not something I often default to. You can just ask my children, although I often try. And yet God requires these things of us. He requires them. But thankfully, he doesn't expect us just to get on with it on our own. He equips us and transforms us every day by his Holy Spirit. And I love Philippians 1 verse 6, which says that he who began a good work in you will carry it on until completion, until Christ comes. God started, so he'll finish. 
So in the terms of the passage in Micah today, we know what God is calling us to, but how do we respond as individuals? And if God equips the called, how do we sense God's calling on our lives? The final answer to that question, sensing calling, brings me to the final part of Micah, verse 8 in Micah chapter 6. We're called to walk humbly with our God. We're called to walk humbly with our God. At the beginning of creation, before mankind disobeyed God, we can picture God and man walking together in the garden. And it's a great joy knowing that we can have a personal relationship with God, that he can be our friend, our best friend, for no one knows us better than he who created us. But to walk humbly with God is also to remember that God is the creator, the almighty, who made literally everything. He's our heavenly father and our redeemer. And he knows what's best for us, as we see throughout the Bible. He knows the plans he has for us. And in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, we're told that God created specific good works, which he prepared in advance for us to do. Let's just think about that for a second. God has prepared a to-do list of awesomeness specifically for us as followers of Christ, for you, which he prepared in advance. He created us to do good works. I think that's pretty amazing. But here's the thing. We aren't going to know what those good things are unless we walk humbly with our God, acknowledging he has the plan, the glorious plan. But the wonderful news is he doesn't keep it to himself. He calls us directly through his word, the Bible, as we read it and spend time in prayer, drawing near to him regularly. We'll sense his calling on our lives and what he calls us to will become clearer. And we'll also sense him nudging us deep inside by his Holy Spirit. I don't know if you've heard of Kanye West. He's a famous rapper and perhaps billionaire from America who's just released an album called Jesus is King and is very much professing his faith. And there's been controversy about whether this faith is genuine or not uh, and that's not a conversation for now and I don't think it's a conversation for us either actually. But uh, I was watching a video of him yesterday being interviewed by a chap called James Corden. And James Corden says to him, so what do you do in the evening these days? And he says, I play with my kids, my wife, we play with our kids. And then we get to bed, she watches TV. And James said, well, what do you do? And he says, I read the Bible. And James says, pardon? And he says, I read the Bible. Every day, every night before I go to bed, I, Kanye West, read the Bible. And the good news is that Kanye West is no better than anyone else. We're all wretched before the Lord until we come to know him, and then we're fully justified. But the reason I mention this is that as we draw near to God regularly, meeting him in his word and by his spirit, things can change. Carl Beach, the president of Christian Vision for Men and deputy CEO of the Message Trust, tweeted this recently, and I quote, In my opinion, you can't read the Bible regularly and not grow a huge heart for broken, lost, hurting people and anger at injustice and a desire to help the poor. Take those bits out of the Bible 
and you have one very thin book. I don't know what you think about that, but that made me stop and think. And brothers and sisters, we need to remember that this isn't about guilt. This is about the light of the world. So we mustn't feel under any sort of obligation or kosh. But there is a question to be answered. If challenging injustice and pursuing peace and reconciliation are part of the fourth mark of mission for today's church, and today's passage in Micah calls us to justice, mercy, and humility, how can we respond? How must we respond? As God's people today, as the people of Israel were at the time of Micah, his words of caution and challenge God gave him are equally for us today. We may not bring burnt offerings, but verses 6 and 7 remind us that God is not for empty gestures, doing things we think will please him, but that don't really make a difference. Justice, mercy, humility, those are what the Lord requires of his people of me and of you. In our society and wider world today, there is much injustice. We only have to read the papers and switch on the TV. In an increasingly polarised world, before you even get to the Brexit debate, less and less do we see people having mercy on each other. And as for humility, in the world of social media, personality politics, and an increasingly narcissistic society, there doesn't seem to be much humility at all. When we step into what the Lord calls us to and requires of us, we can start to look very different to the world though, and that's the good news. The prophet Micah was imploring the Israelites, and by extension us, to understand that as believers, we have to be willing to live lives that might look very different to the rest of the world. And in doing so, point to the Lord to the hope we read about in Matthew earlier. And as I finish, I want to jump into Matthew chapter 12 and reflect on two things. Firstly, God, through Isaiah, calls the Lord Jesus, the one whom he has chosen, who he delights, and who he loves. And secondly, that Jesus is the hope of the nations. We know when we give our lives to Jesus, we're forgiven and redeemed and become adopted sons and daughters of the Most High, our Heavenly Father. And just isn't that wonderful? And He loves us. He delights in us. If we love somebody, whether it's our parents, our friends, our kids, our pets, we have no idea. We have no idea of how much more God loves us because we can't. It's impossible to comprehend. Do you know how much God loves you? Right now, today. This is rather un-British. But can you join me in saying, God loves me more than I can imagine? Let's say it now. God loves me more than I can imagine. That was a better response than at nine (laughs) o'clock. It's not a competition, though. As God called the people of Israel, as he commissioned the Lord Jesus to proclaim justice to the nations, as we see in verse 18 of Matthew chapter 12, he also calls us to justice, mercy and humility. Not because he wants to cause us hardship or inconvenience, 
And not because he wants us to feel guilty, but because the world is broken. The beautiful, precious world God has created is broken by sin. But thankfully, because of Jesus, there is hope, as we see in verse 21 of the Matthew passage. Because God calls us to justice, mercy, and humility because he loves this broken world and you and me and all of us in it. And as we join him in his mission, we get to be part of his plan to point to the hope of Jesus and to the love that God has for us. At the beginning of our time together, I posed two questions for us to reflect on. The first was how we support Christchurch's current mission activity in prayer, partnership and pennies. And if you've been prompted any of that, come and have a chat with me, speak to Doug, talk to anybody involved in the various ministries and find out more. And then finally the question of how we can respond to God's call individually. As we return to the book of Micah in chapter 6 verse 8, I think the answer is by walking humbly with him, with our Lord. By spending time meeting him in his word regularly, getting to know him and by praying and listening and in doing so sensing his calling on our lives. And as we do so, we'll be growing and our hearts yearning for more justice and more mercy and wanting the world to see the hope that there is in Jesus. And then we start small. We don't worry. We have a big God. I'm just going to finish with a quote from Mother Teresa, which says this, I alone cannot change the world, but I can cast a stone across the waters to create many ripples What stone are you and I going to cast this week? I'm just going to pray as we finish. Loving Father, thank you that what you ask of us is clear. Thank you all you ask of us comes from your love. And I pray as we leave this place, we would feel not guilty, but we would feel challenged, but most of all we would feel encouraged and loved. In Jesus' name, Amen. Thank you very much, Carl. Some very challenging words there.